morning, everyone. Good morning. All right, as, uh, as Keith mentioned before, uh, we're going to be speaking about loving community as one of our family values, or we'd like to call our, our, I mean, or our core values are, which we'd like to call our family values. And just to run through, through those, just so we can, um, yeah, keep it within the context of what we're speaking about. Our family values are biblical integrity, radical discipleship, authentic worship, faithful prayer, missional living, unified diversity, joyful generosity, and as Keith mentioned before today, we're going to be speaking about loving community. And the way that we describe loving community here at CCG or City Church Garland, we want to be cool, so we're going to start doing the alliteration. alliteration. So anyway, <laughs> so we, we say that our love for one another is the mark of following Jesus genuinely. We make it our aim to do life together, weeping with one another, rejoicing with one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another, and living out all the one another's of Scripture. One of the places this is walked out is in our community groups that meet in homes on a regular basis. So uh, let's just take a moment to pray and just ask the Lord to speak to us and to build us up. Lord, we come before you. As your children, your body, and we thank you, Lord, that you have called us to be yours and allowed us to become your children, and we pray, Lord, that you may motivate us today, Lord, encourage us, uh, challenge us to do uh, community well, Lord, to be a body that is focused on you, on, on growing and knowing you and loving each other well, and also being a light to this world, Lord. As I said, that you may speak to us, challenge us, help us to be unified with your mission and to be more and more like you, Jesus. And we ask you this in your name, Jesus. Pray that you may use me, Lord. Help me to be clear, Lord, and encouraging, Lord. In your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so the big idea is that the body of Christ is the children of God and are a community, and we are a community who experience God's love through one another. So the first point I want to make is that we were created for community. Have you ever noticed that no matter where you go in the world, you see communities established? Well, even if you go to uh, indigenous people in the, in, the, in the bush, there are communities, there are families, there are uh, villages, and uh, we see neighborhoods, and, and just communities have been part of civilization in, like, in the history of the world, the entire world, since we first began. Groups of people just banded together, and, and we see this even today, not, not only living together, but people start to form communities. They have common interests, or they find a common purpose, and maybe uh, they might be from the same culture or maybe the same con- uh, country. I know in, in New York, there tend to be like little pockets of, you know, all oh, the Dominicans live over here. All oh, the Jewish people live over here, you know. So they just band together. They find unity in something that's outside of themselves. And, and, and they live together. And, and, and we know that psychologically and sociologically, we know that being part of a community is one of the basic human needs. So we were created for a community. But have you ever wondered why we have this tendency to bond uh, with others and uh, create communities? The reason why is that we were created in what we call the Imago Dei, or which is Latin, for the image of God. 
God himself is a community. And we're not going to go too much into the Trinity because we can spend weeks here. But just, just making that statement that God is a community. We serve a Trinitarian God. There's one God who exists in three persons. And they are co-equal. They are co-eternal. Uh, they are three distinct persons, yet one God. And each one of them on their own is fully God. We might not, un- we might not understand the how this happens, but we can understand the what and these statements that I'm saying. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to understand these things. We should, but there's definitely some faith required in understanding the Trinity. The Trinity is something that might not be totally comprehensible by our human brains. And to be honest, I don't want a God that I can totally wrap my brain around. I want him to be bigger than that because then he'll be too small. But anyway, but just the point that I'm making that the Trinity is a, is a community and they're, they're, they're a, a community of love and they're a community, they're, they're interdepend, they have interdependent relationships. And I'm not saying that God is dependent on anyone, but he is dependent on himself. Like I said, they're a loving community. Uh, they're a unified community. And uh, especially we see that relationship between the Father and the Son. We see love there. And in Romans 5, 5, it says that, the, that, the, that God pours out his love to us through the Holy Spirit. So love flows in, it flows out of, and it flows through the Trinity. And they glorify each other and glorify themselves as God. So God is a community of power and of love. And since we were created in the image of God, we see that when God created Adam, he said that every, he created the world, he said everything was good. But then he said that it wasn't good for man to be alone. So God gave man woman so that he can have community because he was alone. And, and through Adam and Eve, community started to form and we have populated the world since then. And they were, yes, they were given to each other for procreation and to have children, but they were given to each other to have a loving relationship, an interdependent relationship. And it was beautiful until sin came into the world. And when sin came into the world, everything broke. Our relationship with God was fractured. Uh, remember, we were created in the image of God. That image was fractured. And our relationships with each other were fractured. At that moment, Adam and Adam, well, we, I don't know what Eve said, but we know what Adam said. Adam started blaming God and blaming the woman. And he also, what did they do? They started to hide. They started to cover themselves with fig leaves. So we see that because of the brokenness of sin, and we see this throughout history, man tries to hide from God, and man tries to hide from each other. When there was a relationship where they were together, unified, loving, and, and on the same mission to, 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 to subdue the earth and to, to, to fill the world with children, now brokenness crept in, and sinfulness, and just the desire to hide just crept in. They were no longer... Uh, comfortable with with each other and with their own nakedness, so they try to cover that up. So we were created for community, but sin has fractured that. And now, guess what? We all wear masks. We all try to uh, hide from each other. We're afraid of people seeing us for who we really are. Matt Chandler is a pastor in Flowermont. He says that in our culture, men do do not want to appear as weak, and women do not want to appear as imperfect. And I think that's true. That's something that we all struggle with. So community is the very thing that we were created for. We settle for counterfeits. 
Like I said before, there's there certain things that we are drawn together uh, for with, with community. Like I know when I was growing up in New York, you know, you had your headbangers over here, your hip hoppers, your rockers, your emo kids. And we see these little communities start to form. And they all, you know, they identify themselves with a certain culture. Or we see that um, people even identify with themselves with what they are angry at these days, right? They start to band together and start to, you know, to go against certain, you know, systems and structures. So we, we find all these counterfeits to community. And one of the greatest counterfeits is social media. Social media, a lot of studies are starting to come out that it causes a lot of anxiety because it has the appearance. I mean, what do we call the people on, friend, on, on, on Facebook? We call them our friends. But are they really our friends? They're not. We're just people that we know. And we, because of this, a lot of people, like I said, a lot of anxiety is starting to cause because people are not satisfied by these false relationships. And this is all because we are broken and we have a thirst to restore what God has created, created us to have, which is true, authentic, loving community. We know that we identify ourselves with different things, but then the gospel comes in. And then the main identity marker for us shouldn't be all these other things. Not, like I said, not everything is bad. You know, I, people identify themselves by their culture or different things they like. But all those things become sent secondary to our identity in Christ. Our identity in, 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 in becoming like Jesus and, be, and coming into his family to become a loving community where we should take off our masks because we know that we, our identity is found in Christ, not what we do, but in what he did for us. So I'm able, and I'm getting into other stuff that I'm going to be going to later, but I'm able to feel free to confess my sin to you guys. Because I know that all of us are sinners and my sin has been paid for. I find my identity in what Jesus did for me, not what I do. So this should free me up to be able to be real about my, about my struggles and come into a place with loving people where we're all here on the same mission that's just we want to know jesus and we want to love people and impact our world so the gospel changes everything we'll start getting into uh first john chapter three and just to give it some context first john is a book that john is he speaks in in uh these contrasts of light and dark you know sort of like black and white uh hate and love and he's he he challenges the reader to, to be able to look at themselves and see if they are really children of God. And he speaks about these characteristics that are found in the children of God. One of them is that they know God accurately, that they understand Jesus, they understand the gospel and their own salvation. He also says that the children of God walk in righteousness. And then the last thing which we're going to be speaking about, he said that the children of God are marked by love. So we know God well, we, we live in obedience to his ways and righteousness, and also that we are marked by love. In uh, verse 10, 1 John, uh, it's not up here, but 1 John 3.10, it says, By this it is evident who are the children of God, and who are the, cho- and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So he's saying who are the people of God, and right here saying who's not the people of God. But let's go to um, love proves that we are the children of God. Verse 11 says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, and his brother's righteous. 
Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not, does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So he's basically saying before this and in these verses that we are uh, righteous and that we are loving because Christ is living inside of us. And because Jesus is righteous, we are to be righteous. Because Jesus is loving, then we are to be loving. So we display that Jesus is inside of us by living in righteousness and by loving one another. Love is righteousness in relationship to others. If we think about it, like when we're, uh, we are not, um, in our communication with God, we won't really like scream at God. You know, we won't get frustrated with God with certain things that happen, but we do that with other people, right? So we tend to show who we are inside in our relationship with God and how much we look like Jesus in relationship with other people. So our righteousness and our love for one another are what proves uh, that God is living inside of us. If we are born again, that we are to do the right thing. Just like a, a, a child have cer- has certain distinguishing uh, things that look like their parents, as if when we have God living inside of us, we should look like him and we should love well because Jesus is living inside of us. And this becomes uh, the proof that we are the children of God. The Bible speaks about love all over. And one of the, probably the most famous verse is John 3.16. And it speaks about Jesus' love for the world. But then John 13.35 says that by, all, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So love becomes the litmus test for Christians. We identify ourselves with Christ and we walk like him and we follow him and we become like him. So because Jesus is love, then we are to be love. And as his and as the church and as the body, this means that we show love to others and that uh, we display uh, God's love. We become an extension of God's love. So as, as, as Christ living inside of us, we extend ourselves, and people see who Jesus is because of us. So um, even on the, on the you know, he's, uh, John, John is bringing a contrast here between love and hate, and he's talking about murder. The, the root of, of murder is anger, as, as Jesus spoke about in, in the, on the Sermon of the Mount, in the Sermon on the Mount, that the root of murder is anger. So the same way that anger, when it comes to full, full growth, could be found in taking of life, love when it grows, uh, it, 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 love, like the fullness of love is giving life. I don't know if that makes sense. So ang- when anger comes to full fruition, it can take a life. Love, when it comes to full fruition, it, could, uh, it can give life. Just like Jesus showed his love for us by dying on the cross for us, and that has given us life. So anyway, there are so many uh, verses in the Bible that speak about love. Uh, John thirteen thirty four says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another, as I, I read before. John fifteen twelve says, This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. 
Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. First Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. First John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Verse, jumping out to 11, it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also want to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. I can keep going for hours speaking about verses, about God calling us to love, and God saying that we love because he loved us. So as the body of Christ, with Jesus being the head, we are his hands, we are his feet, we are his voice box, and we are to love one another and to communicate this love to one another. We are to love consistently. We are to love deeply. We are to love continually. We are not to show favoritism or discrimination, but to love everyone equally. We are the family of God, and love should, be, uh, should naturally flow out of us because we belong to Christ. We are not only to be recipients of God's love because we have received it, but we are also to be conduits of God's love. Like I said, I can go on for hours reading verses about how God calls us to love. The love is, is a central theme in the word of God. Love is, is, is a central theme in the New Testament and God's church are supposed to live in a way that we love others. True love can only come from God because God is love. And we have God, so we are supposed to live that out. So I'm not saying that we are supposed to like earn our salvation by loving people, but because we are God's children, we are supposed to love. And this becomes the proof that we are God's children. Love. Love requires sacrifice. Um, I remember a couple of months ago when I was uh, working at my job, I used to send just emails with just conversation starters, and I asked, what is love? And the word that came out the most, you know, that people uh, sent back the email saying the most was the word sacrifice. And that's true. Love is sacrifice. The opposite of love is not hate, it's selfishness. So when, when we are not selfish, we are putting other people before us and that's sacrifice. And love is sacrificial. It requires sacrifice. Um, going down to verse 16 of the same chapter says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life. For us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So if we are, we are, like I said before, we are an extension of God's love. And just the same way that Jesus laid down his life for us, we are supposed to lay down our lives for one another. We are supposed to be able to, to give of ourselves. And many times, because of our own selfishness, we won't sacrifice. We won't sacrifice time with someone. We won't sacrifice uh, uh, our own comfort. We won't sacrifice physical strength, like I used yesterday helping my friend move. You know, we, uh, we sometimes we, you know, even our own finances, if someone's in need, it says here, you know, 
If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against them, how does God's love abide in him? So this is a challenge for us. When, if we're living in community and we see that someone needs something, God wants to use us to provide that as an extension of his love. So serving one another sometimes requires sacrifice. It requires dying to ourselves and thinking as of others as as higher than ourselves. Uh, just like in uh, Philippians 2, 3, it says, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. So, you know, ask yourself, how often do I think of others in my everyday life? When we know that one of our brothers are going through something, uh, do we take time to pray for them? Are, are we thinking about how we can help them? Uh, or are we thinking about their problems or what we can do for them? Um, the word compassion it sort of suggests when, that someone is moving in action. So, you know, we can have pity on someone and just like feel bad because of their situation, but compassion moves us to do something about it. It causes us to want to relieve them of whatever the situation they're in. So let's think of one another. And as we think about loving one another, we want to look at how do we do that practically. So we, we want love to guide our relationships. In Colossians chapter 3, Verse 12, but Colossians 3, 12, it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. So we're going to slow that down a little bit and, and look at the commands that Paul gave us here. So when we talk about love, we're not talking about like rainbows and butterflies. We're talking about a, a real love, a gritty love, a bloody love, a love that, that when we're locking up arms with people and going to war with them, it's a self-sacrificing love. And this type of love, it takes commitment. It takes trust. It takes the willing to build those relationships. It takes boldness and it takes courage. So the picture here that, that Paul is using when he's saying, and, and he's, he uses this language throughout this chapter, it says he's talking about taking off and putting on. He's speaking about a person changing their garments. We are taking off the old dead garments of sin and selfishness, and we're putting on the new garments that we have with the new life that we have in Christ. These, garment, these clean garments that, that give life, that give peace, that give joy, and that give love. So we're putting to death the old fleshly sinful man, and we're putting on the godliness that comes from Christ and uh, from a person that, that, that is born again. He says in verse 12, it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And it's, the word holy means to be set apart and beloved means that we are loved from God. So because we are chosen by God, we are loved by God and set apart from him, then this means that we are the children of God. And it says to put on uh, 
Paul is saying to put on compassionate hearts. Like I said before, compassion is about being moved to action, looking at someone's situation and want to, to, to relieve their pain. So compassion is not something that we turn off and turn on. Compassion is something that we become as we surrender our, our lives to Christ because Jesus was compassionate, right? He was compassionate towards us when he saw us in our sinful condition and he actually died to, to save us. So he relieved us of, of some pain there, right? So, so compassion is the, the attitude of a heart of a person that has given their life to Christ as we become an extension of who he is. It says here to put on kindness. So in other words, to be caring and considerate of one another. We have experienced Jesus' kindness. So we, in return, we should be kind to others. Paul says here to put on humility. Much like today, humility wasn't valued during these times, but pride and dominance was valued. But Jesus became the ultimate example of humility when he uh, humbled himself by becoming a human being and suffering and dying for our sins. He served us by dying for our sins, and, and he gave us, has given us new life. So he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, as, as the Bible says in Matthew 20. So humility is the opposite of pride, and so many, bro- so many relationships are broken because of pride. So we are supposed to be humble towards each other and to count everyone else as higher than ourselves. Paul also says to put on patience, which is out of all, the, all of these, uh, everything that Paul was saying here, that's probably the thing that, that, that challenged me the most. Patience means, uh, it means long-suffering or long-tempered. The opposite of short-tempered, which is someone that's impulsive and lacks self-control. Long-suffering is a person that is not easily provoked by other people or by situations. It's a person that's not easily provoked to anger or frustration. I was just thinking about my kids, you know, and how sometimes I could be easily frustrated by them. So um, anyway... But, you know, a person that's patient is a person that's not easily provoked. So we will be tested in this if we are living in community because there are some people that need more patience, right? Everybody say amen to that? I might be one of them. I don't know. Anyway, but we need, we need to be patient with each other and not easily provoked. And, uh, and then thir- 13 says, oh, did I miss one? No. Oh, yeah, I did. I'm sorry. Um, he, he says to put on a meekness. And meekness is power under control. When you think about the wind, the wind can, can move a sailboat forward. It can also feel good as it hits us on a cool, on a warm day, you get that cool breeze. But wind can also become a deadly storm, and it's powerful. Or a horse. A horse, we, we, can, we can ride it, we can use it to, 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 to pull stuff, and you know, maybe that used to be people's transportation back in the days. But if a horse kicks you, then you're going to be in bad shape. A horse is powerful. So in the same way, this is what meekness is. is power, but under control. So uh, a lot of people see meekness as weakness, but it's not. Meekness is power under control. It says to bear with one another. And to bear with one another or forbearance is to hold back. Just like Jesus held back his judgment towards us. We are to, to bear with one, one another and to, to hold back anger or frustration and all these things. 
And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. At the heart of salvation is forgiveness. All of us have sinned and we all fall short. And Jesus has extended forgiveness for our sins. So we are to do the same with each other. None of us are perfect. And when we are living among people, we all make mistakes and we're going to hurt each other. That's just reality. But we are to forgive one another. It's easy to have complaints about people, but let's forgive. And it's, 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 a, it's a good thing for us to forgive. And also it says, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, everything we're talking about, meekness, patience, forgiveness, all of this, we cannot live these without love. So what we're doing when we are uh, uh, being patient with each other and forgiving each other, we are extending love. So love is, is what, what ties all of these together. Love is, is what we're speaking about. It's the most important of all the spiritual virtues. And it brings harmony and beauty into relationships. And first of all, it brought that into our relationship with God. He extends his love to us. And because of that, we extend Jesus' love to one another. So like I said, this is not a rainbows and butterflies type love. There's not, you know, Disney princesses type love. This is a real love where we get to, to walk with each other and, and do life together. Verse 15 says, And to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. We experience the peace of God when we are in harmony with Christ. And we are in harmony with Christ when we are in harmony with one another. Love holds everything together. And, and disunity tries to break us apart, but we are to love one another. So there's a purpose behind this. Love also builds up. Verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, which should be a favorite verse for God's people. The word of God reveals Christ to us. The word of God glorifies God and it gives life to us. The word of God is truth and it unifies us. And we are to be molded by the word of God. As the word of God, like I said, it reveals Christ to us. We are to allow the word of God to build us up to become more and more like Jesus. The word of God is spiritual food for us. It is impossible for us to grow in our relationship with God without the word of God. It gives us wisdom. Like I said before, it unifies us. And we need to have the word of God dwell in us to dwell in us richly. And it says, as we ad, ad, admonishing one another, we are to, to correct one another even in love and encourage one another. In, in, and as, 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 and, and even, even like, as we, we are to challenge one another and even admonishing one another is, is, an, is an encouragement. If there's something wrong or there's something that we need to correct one another and we need to be able to do that in love. 
And it says here, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Even our worship, the first thing that we look at it is this biblically. When we're looking at a song, at, at, you know, our worship team, we're looking at whether this is biblically accurate because it needs to be true in order for us to do that. And as we sing songs that are biblically, biblically accurate, this leads us toward God and reminds us of who God is and gives us an expression, something that we can sing back to God, uh, truth that, 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 um, that comes from the word. And we are encouraging one another as we do that. We know God better through the songs that we sing, and we are united as his people, exalting him. Psalm 34 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. As we lift him up, we remind ourselves of his goodness, of his grace, of his mercy, of his patience, his faithfulness, his power. And we are united in him, glorifying him together. And this is what we do when we are singing biblical songs. We are building one another up and encouraging one another through songs. So it's not just, it's not about just here, you know, singing songs for entertainment. There's a purpose behind it. And this is why, why we take, you know, a, a, a big part of our service to do this, to lift them up together and to sing truth, reminding each other. So we are an, an extension of Christ, like I said before. We identify ourselves in Christ and with a purpose of being built to become more and more like Christ. We are to be a, a, a gospel-centered com- community that our purpose is to make disciples. So as we're here together, look around you. God has called us to be a, a, a group of people that make disciples in our community. You know, he's put this band of misfits together, you know, to be unified with a purpose and to be unified in Christ so that we can know God better, we can love each other better, and we can impact the world. And we are to fulfill God's purpose together. We are to build one another up and we are to spur one another on and to take on our identity in Christ and in our relationships with each other. So there's more to church than just coming here on the Sunday morning, singing a couple of songs and, and listening to Keith or Mike speak and, and listening to Kevin sing some songs. You know what I mean? There's more to that. We are supposed to be a community that's geared towards building one another up in our relationship with, with God and motivating one another on so with the purpose of God's glory and that we can make disciples and that we can be stronger together. And in Ephesians, and I know Keith mentioned this last week, but Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we build one another up. We are to grow uh, spiritually and, and become more mature in Christ together. Verse 14 says, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. So we are to grow in knowing God accurately through his word. And we are to do this together. Verse 15 says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. 
when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we are all players on the team. No one is on the bench. We find our position and we, as we uh, know what, what our place is in the body of Christ and we uh, start to function in those, in those uh, places, we grow together. We are to do this all together and to grow together. So the local church is the plan that God has for spiritual growth to create these little communities within the large community that's all over the world. So we are to grow in the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God. And we are to use our gifts to build up one another. Like one thing that I've heard a lot of times, someone, you know, people said, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't. I don't go to church. I don't think I need to go to church. You know, if God has called us to use our gifts to one another, how can we do that in a house watching podcasts or listening to podcasts or watching live streaming? You know, we are supposed to be here. God has gifted all of us and he's gifted us to, to be able to build one another up. And if, and if, we're, if you're not here or if I'm not here, then we're robbing from each other. You know, I need you and you need me. We need each other in order to build each other up. And it's all for the motive of God's love. We are supposed to be uh, growing together, building one another up, and being a missional community together. To be an extension of God as he wants to not only build us up, but also to reach the, un, the, 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 the lost, the ones that don't know God. Um, Hebrews uh, 10.24 says, Let us continue to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it, it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I, I don't think that, that, that the writer of Hebrews was speaking specifically about Sunday service here. It says, do not forsake coming together. Do not forsake the fellowship. And this happens within true, authentic, biblical community. And, and we have replaced true fellowship with, with church service, you know. I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with us getting together on Sunday morning, but it's more than that. It's not about the time we spend here. And then if we walk in and we walk out, then we are not having real community. One of my favorite community groups is the post-service community group. It's unofficial, but we sometimes just hang out here and a bunch of us just stay here and have, we have community here, you know. And sometimes we go to lunch together. Yeah, so don't, don't run out. Hang out with everybody. Let's build these relationships. First Corinthians fourteen twelve says, So you yourself, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Let's build each other up. In community, we find healing. In community, we pray for one another. We give each other biblical counsel. Because I believe that God does want us to, to be healed of, of, of hurts of the past. And he, I, I think I believe is the enemy that wants us to be isolated. That's not from God. God wants us to, to have these communities. And it takes being vulnerable. And that's a scary part. Because we're afraid of people really knowing us. It takes for us to trust. And again, like I said, men do not want to show weakness. And women don't want to show that they are imperfect. Just some quotes uh, from C.S. Lewis about, about, uh, about, uh, vulner- about being vulnerable and about love. It says, loving everyone in general may be an excuse to loving no one in particular. Everyone says, yeah, I love everyone. 
I love everyone. But they're not having real relationships. So we don't love anybody in particular. We just have this feeling of love that's not uh, actually enjoyed. He also said, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and with the little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or a coffin or of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. And that's just reality. It's like that in relationships with husband and wife and also like that in community. We are to be vulnerable before each other, and this takes trust. So like I said before, we are to speak the truth in love. Or if we see someone that's starting to fall away from community, don't be afraid to reach out. We need to love each other enough to be uncomfortable. It's hard when we, when we see that someone is struggling with something or we see that their, their life is not going well. We, we love them more by reaching out because we, and that's not safe. Sometimes we might be rejected. People might get angry at us. I'd rather be rejected because I love someone than to play it safe and not reach out. We need to be able to love each other like that. And we need to be able to be open to that. You know, like I said before, admonishing one another. If there's something in my life that you think is wrong, hey, I invite you to come and speak to me because that is you showing me love. So you got to, do you love me enough to do that? Do I love you enough to do that? Like I said, we, we, well, you know, Satan wants to keep us alone. He wants us to isolate ourselves. But it is in real community that we can grow. We are all in a serious war against darkness. And this is reality. So people will get hurt. And do we have a band of brothers and sisters that are going to be there with us? I think of the movie Black Hawk Down. I don't know if you guys ever saw that movie from the early 2000s. You know, basically someone got hurt and they were, I, I, I don't remember if they died or they were like dying. And, and everybody, they said that no man gets left behind. And we need to have that mentality with our brothers and sisters. Put our lives out there and it's going to be, it, it might be, it might be harmful sometimes. So the reality is in real community, guess what? I'm not alone. We all go through life. We all have struggles and you're not alone if we live in real community. And just, you know, to give you guys a story about, about, you know, about me, you know, we've, we've gone through a, a tough couple of months. You know, I, you guys probably know that in late January, you know, I was, I was let go from my job. And that was, that was really tough for me. Not only was it tough financially and working through that, but it was tough for me because I was, I, I, my job as a chaplain, I found like almost like my identity in that. Like I love to do that. I love to be able to serve people. So not, like I said, not only was it tough financially, it was hard for me to deal with it in my heart to, to you know, to have a, a, you know, like to just be able to minister to people every day in my job and pray for people. And all of a sudden that taken away from me, that was tough. And, you know, and with the financial part, you know, we, we were struggling and guess what? Some of you gave to us. And it seems like every time when we really needed, that's when somebody came through. 
And you guys provided for us. God provided through you. And then, you know, so that, that was one thing that was tough. And, and another thing that you would know this maybe if you're in my community group or if you come on Wednesday, which is another community group. But recently, Lori had a miscarriage. And this was about in May. And that was tough. Not only was it a miscarriage, but our greatest desire is to have more children. That hasn't happened for us. And if, if you guys have been in community with us for the last couple of years, you know that. And it's something that we struggle through and we, we pray for. And then to find out about a pregnancy through a miscarriage, that was rough. And you know what? We have felt, we have embraced community and community has embraced us. And we have felt your love. You know, ju- you know, I mean, I, I, you know, just as, as a leader, sometimes it's hard to be vulnerable. And I was taught early in my walk, you're su- you know, th- not that this was said, but it was like, it's almost like you're supposed to make believe you're perfect. You're supposed to make believe that you don't have these struggles. And I've had to work through those things in order to be vulnerable before people. And now, I mean, you guys know that I'm not like that anymore. You know, I, I keep it real, one, 100. And that's gonna, but, you know, like, I keep it real now, and I'm, and I'm real. You guys know, you know, if you're in community with me, you guys know what my struggles are. You guys know the way that the enemy attacks me, and you guys know the lies that I have to deal with every day. You know, do we know that about you? Do we know how to pray for you? You guys know how to pray for me if you walk in community with me. But God has, has shown himself to be faithful you know, I, I have enough reasons, like I said before in the past, to be able to hide things. Lori has been through enough stuff in her life to not want to trust. But we have chosen to trust and to open up our hearts and to put our life out there. And you guys have responded well. I just want to thank you for everyone that has been there with us through this tough time. You guys have been there with us. And you have loved us. You've provided for us. God has extended himself through you. So when I speak about loving community, I'll be honest, most of the time I've been the one that has given, but to be in the place that need it and to receive it has been such a blessing. That's why I love you guys. Amen. So it's, 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 it's been great. It's been great for us. I have never seen someone that has been engaged intimately in community and does not grow in their relationship with God. On the contrary, I've seen many people in churches that are not in intimate community and don't grow their relationship with God. And that's just reality of my, my 24 years serving the Lord. This is what I've seen. I have an invitation. Why don't you guys take a chance? Take a chance on trusting God with his plan for the body of Christ. Take a chance and let's live together, do life together, glorify God together. And I'm going to end this with a Andy <laughs> Christian rapper. In his song called Uncomfortable, he said, if you want to live a comfortable life, make sure you never love nobody. Be selfish and never sacrifice. He's being sarcastic, of course. <laughs> Living in community is tough. It can get hard. It takes being sacrificial. But it is God's plan for his church. We were created for intimate community. And because of sin, we run from it. I'll leave you these application points. Look for opportunities to put others before you. Care enough to know what's going on in each other's lives. 
and, and do this practically today. Think about everyone you know in this church and think about how you can pray for them. And if you're not sure how you can pray for them individually, then find out. We should be able to pray for one another and know what's going on, or at least in your community groups. You know, I know as the church grows, that's going to be a little hard. Give your time, your energy, uh, emotionally and physically, if you have to, or even your finances, to be able to love other people well. Number two, become aware of what hinders you from going deeper. We are, we're all broken. We have, all have reasons that the enemy will give us to not grow deeper in relationship. All of us. So be aware of what that is. Believe that God wants you to grow in that. Number three, make community a priority. The reality is that we all live busy lives. But the things that are important, we make time for them. And that's just reality. So if we need each other, then let's grow in that. Don't be satisfied with shallow relationships. But learn to go deep with people. Whether this is in community groups or, like I said, the post-church community group. We have it every Sunday. Um, You know, just, man, invite people over to your house. Go to lunch with people. Get to know people. And the last one is take a chance. Most of us have been hurt in the past. I have a lot of church hurt, stuff that's been happening to me in church, to be honest. And there are things, there are obstacles that I had, that I've had to overcome to grow in community. But let those things be obstacles and not walls. Whatever it is that stop us, don't cross your arms and say, I'm not moving. But if this is where, what God wants from us, then fi- figure out a way to move forward. Start with one person. Hey, you know what? I'll put myself out there. You know, you want to you wanna get to know me? You can take me out for coffee. We can do that, you know. I'm open to that. Anybody? I love coffee. So. Anyway, yeah, so, and if this is a new thing for you where you've never heard this before, like I said, take a step, move forward, and uh, take a chance. Let, let's pray then. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you as broken people. as sinful people, as selfish people, as people that wear masks. And we know that we are uh, dissatisfied by all the counterfeit communities out there. Lord, we pray that you may draw us closer to you and closer to each other. Help us to enjoy the benefits of community and help us to be, glor- to, to be unified to you. Unified with your body uh, in purpose and in love. Help us to love no- one another well. Open up our eyes to see the needs of our brothers And help us to take steps forward to being a unified community, a loving community with the gospel at our center. And we spoke a lot about community within your body. Help us to be an extension of your love 
to the people that don't know you, Lord. That even when people come in here to visit, that one thing they can say is that we are loving people, that we may invite them in and let them invite, invite them into what we already have here, which is true, authentic, gospel-centered, loving community, Lord. And if we were challenged today, Lord, I pray that it may not cause us to repel, but help it to cause us to come closer and deeper. And we ask you all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.